In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Hi, I'm Jake Johnson. You're watching Untethered Live on a Sunday night. This is a Bible study night. We're in the great book of Genesis, chapter 37, 5. That's where we are. Chapter 37, verse 5. I finally got my chat working. And uh, this whole time I'm sitting here talking and my mic is muted. Beautiful. I'm not a professional or anything. Hey, Darlene, how are you? We got sound now. It took a minute, but I figured it out. I got her going. Welcome to the show. I haven't seen you in a while. How you doing? Are you healthy and wise and fat and sassy and full? Have goose pimples every time you get up? I'm excited. We've had a great week. I've been uh, doing panels over on Caucasian Sasquatch's channel, and I made a few friends. The show's getting fat, ladies and gentlemen. We're up to 287 subscribers last time I looked. That's pretty good. We're almost to 300. That's the goal. So hit that like button and tell all your friends about us. We reached a milestone eight days ago. 75,000 individual views of this show. That don't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. It's a lot for me. That's the biggest crowd I've ever played to. So I'm happy about that. I hear you now. I'm good. I hope you are too. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. Been busy. Busy, busy, busy. It's been a long two weeks. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I recently acquired a new machine to run my podcast, a new computer. Top of the line, all, all the bells and whistles, very expensive. And I've been for two weeks updating and transferring everything over. So th this is a Windows machine that the, the podcast is running on now, and it's on its last leg. It's, it's reached its capacity. It's a limit. It can't do anymore. I have no more hard drive space. The memory is maxed out. But that other machine, I could pretty much run planet Earth with it. But it's a Mac not a Windows machine. So everything that I use to run my podcast, I've either got to find a Mac version of it or find an equivalent because Mac don't have a version of it and get it running. So for two weeks, that's what I've been doing. Updating and uploading and settings and, you know, searching the internet and over and over and over. I just about got it going. It's quite nice. I got a new graphics card on the way, so that's going to bump me up to modern standards it's pretty nice 
And uh, so that's one thing. And then working a lot. That's another thing. So I'm full-time job, full-time job. Very little time to sleep. And here's the good thing. Now the podcast is all over the world. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, Amazon. It's on Google. It's everywhere that they sell podcasts or everywhere that you can download a podcast. You can find this. iHeartRadio. Radio Republic. Uh, Overcast, CastBox, a few others I can't think of right off the top of my head. I should have them all memorized, but I don't. Anyway, every time the Bible study goes out, it goes out all over the world. I have set up a network that I can release all of my stuff to everybody. So now I can release my album just like a record label could, and everybody will get it all over the world. That's pretty nice. Well, if it can be done, you'll get it done. Well, that's the goal. That's what's in mind. I don't know that that's a true statement. I appreciate the confidence, though. But I'll give it a shot. I'll do the best I can do by it. What's that you said about me? One time I could fall in a pile of crap and come out smelling like roses. That's a more true statement. It's because God blesses me. That's why. How are you doing? Have you seen April today? They'll be on directly, I reckon. I just talked. They sent me a video earlier this afternoon, so I assume they'll be here soon. Likewise with the Caucasian Sasquatch and his crew. And we might have a couple new folks show up. Oh, yeah. I did a uh, last podcast, Friday night, I believe it was. I did an open house. That means that anybody that's got a camera and headphones can come on and be part of the show. I got porn bombed. Five times that night. Porn bombed. Me. Somebody come on and just put up dirty pictures. So I had to get rid of that. I had to I had to actually delete that episode, take it into my computer and edit out all the bad stuff and then re-upload it, which I'm in the process of doing right now on the other machine. And it'll be uploaded tonight. So if you want to see that, you'll just look for the edits and just know that there was dirty stuff everywhere it cuts. No, not today. April had the kids last night. April did or you did? It says age, but I know you didn't mean to write that. I saw that. Oh, you you were watching? I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried to avoid it, but... Anyway, that show is up now, or should be up in the next couple minutes, where you can watch it without fear of... Damaging your delicate eyes. I know it damaged mine. What they showed, I didn't want to see. Anyway, we're in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verse 5 tonight. That's where we're going to pick up. And in just a couple of minutes, we'll get started. Just give everybody a chance to show up. And then uh, we'll get rolling. And I'll do the, the uh, reading thing. How's the show looking on your end? Does it look all right? Everything good? I got this weird shadow right there. It's probably my fish. Something's going across my eye line. April came for them for me yesterday. Gotcha. 
Yeah, that's what the video was that they sent me was of all three kids. You don't see that shadow right there? That's got to go. I don't know what it is. I think it's... I think my light's in the wrong place. Anyway, I'll fix that later. It's a minor problem. Most of the people listening to this will be listening to it audio only anyway, so they don't care. That's a pretty cool new uh, development in the podcast. We got audio versions of the podcast out all over the world now. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. It's exciting. I feel like I'm getting somewhere. Making waves. It only took four years. I knew it would be a while. I knew I'd at least have to work a year for free before I started, you know, going places. Well, I had to work for four years for free, but now I'm going places. So it's nice. I can't see your face. You can't see my face? That's not good. I can see my face. Am I not coming out? Or you just can't see my face? Hey, April. There you are. I'm here in the Publix right now with the boys. A beer. With the boys. Bear with me. I'll be right back. Okay, hey, Mom, everybody. Good to see you all in the Bible study tonight. Much love. Well, you be right back. Get your shopping done and come on in. We'll get started in a couple minutes. It's 8.12. We'll go to 8.13 or 14, and then I'll get started. I'll give you a minute because I know cash registers take a while. Thank you for the video, by the way. I appreciated that. Tell Kevin I said thank you. It was very nice of him what he said. And I do play a mean guitar. No, it's me. Oh, you can't see my face. Well, I'm sorry. Well, my face is gorgeous. And it's shining all the way across. And uh, when people that can see my face see it, they automatically melt and uh, start quivering. So now there's a good... good uh, good uh, description of what you're supposed to see. None of that's true, by the way, but it's a good description anyway. <laughs> oh, what a lovely day. So I'm assuming by that statement that your eyesight has not gotten better from the uh, previous problem, and I apologize about that. I pray for you. If I was there, I'd give you a big old hug. I got a picture of you hanging over my bed, by the way. I know that's not creepy at all, but it's there, and I didn't put it there, but it's there. Oh, man, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Well... I don't know what to say about that other than the Lord knows what he's doing and uh, just keep what you can see firmly fixed on him 
And uh, you can't go wrong with that. That's kind of what I've been doing. Keeping my focus. Trying to stay focused on him best I can. Nope, it won't get better, but I can hear. But that's excellent. I'll do my very best to sound good. How about that? It's not too bad. I'm blessed. Yes, you are. You got a fantastic family. Something that many, many people take for granted. A family is a wonderful thing to have and a terrible thing to lose. All right, it's 814. Let's go down, shall we? If you got your Bibles handy, crack them open to the great book of Genesis, chapter 37, verse 5. That's where we left off last week. That's where we're going to pick up tonight. And it goes, a five, six, seven, eight. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told to his brethren... And they hated him yet more. They didn't like it. His dream was a little bit haughty. See, Joseph is a pretty boy. He's the youngest of the crowd and uh, everybody's favorite. And his brothers don't like it a bit. They think he's uh, arrogant, cocky. I know a little something about that. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold... We were binding sheaves in the field. Translation, we were picking wheat and baling it in hay bales. And lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. Hey, brothers, please listen to me. I've got this dream that I've had where I'm the king and you're the servants. You shouldn't feel bad about that because that's the way God wants it. But that's what the dream is telling me. Don't you agree? They're like, uh, no, I don't. I'm the king. You're the servant. No, it's not going to work that way. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Well, yeah, that's the idea. Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet more for his dreams and for his words. You can't blame the kid. He's just telling his brothers what his dreams are. But they don't like the implications. And the implications is, is that Joseph is going to be the head of the household and they're going to be the servants. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. That would be his father, his mother, and his 11 brothers. His father's 11 brothers. That's the 12 tribes of Israel. What he's saying is his dream is telling him that all 12 tribes are going to bow down to Joseph at some point. His brothers don't think it's funny. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said, Boy, you need to learn when to keep your mouth closed. Keep your dreams to yourself. That's not what he said, but maybe he could have said that. 
What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brothers envied him, but his father observed the saying. His father ain't dumb. His father knows that God has done some stuff before and can do some stuff again, and maybe this dream means something. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Don't we all do the same job as you do? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here I am. Well, that whole family has that statement. Here I am. Anytime somebody goes a calling for them, God calls, Here I am. The lords of the town call, here I am. Brothers call, here I am. And there he goes. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it will be with thy brethren and with well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem, looking for his brothers. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, Well, you see that tree over there? You go over to that tree, make a left, and go until you see sunshine, and then you'll find them. That's not exactly what he said, but that's paraphrasing. And the man said, They've departed hence, for I hear them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Dothan is in Alabama, by the way. I think. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. It's not a very nice thing for a brother to do. And they said to one another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Look at this boy coming, diddy-bopping across the field there. We could kill him and nobody would even know. We could just blame it on some rabid wolves and we'd be rid of that mouth over there talking about being our king. He ain't going to be nobody's king. He's just a little boy. Let's take care of him. Everybody but Reuben. And that's where the Reuben sandwich comes from. Now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams then. And Reuben heard it, the sandwich, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill our brother. Are you a moron? You don't kill your brother. He's your brother, for God's sakes. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hands upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. See, Reuben's trying to save his brother's life. He thinks that he'll drop him in this little pit and he'll be trapped, but he'll be alive. And his brothers are eventually forget that they're mad and he'll come back and save him later. That's not how it goes down, but Reuben's in the right place here. He's got his heart in the right spot. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren, and they stripped Joseph out of his coat of many colors, the coat that was on him, 
that his father had made him. Nice coat. It's the inspiration for a Dolly Parton song. Anyway, they didn't like it, so they stripped it off of him. And they took him and cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Well, he's not going to drown. That's a good thing. He's not going to have anything to drink either. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites from Gilead comes with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. Well, if you know anything about the Ishmaelites, Ishmael is Isaac's brother, who is the uncle or great-great-uncle of these people that we're talking about. And Ishmael is the guy who started the beginnings of what would eventually become the Islam religion. And Isaac is the guy that started what would eventually become the Christian religion. So we got two opposing brothers and two opposing ideologies in the same family. Turns out they're the world's biggest religions. <coughs> so these Ishmaelites are from that family. They don't rightly recognize them because they've been separated for so long they probably don't even know each other. But they are related as are most people at this period. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. Oh, now you think about that. And his brethren were content. Yeah, let's make some money off the little bastard. So they sold him as a slave. Then there passed by Midianite merchants, merchant men, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Bye-bye, Joseph. How are they going to explain that to their dad, by the way? I sent my favorite son to go meet you and you come back empty-handed. Where's my boy? And Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes, which is a Hebrew way of saying he mourned for him, mourned the loss of him, because he didn't know that his brothers had sold him, you see. They did it while he was out working, <coughs> and they split the 20 pieces of silver amongst themselves. Reuben got none, of course. And he returned to his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed the kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, We have found no now. No, this we have found. No now, it be thy son's coat or not. What he's saying is, is this your son's coat? We found it in the field. See, the father doesn't know that they met with Joseph. All he knows is he sent Joseph after them, and they were three or four days ahead of him. So they're saying that he never got there. They never seen him, but they found this coat as they were coming back. And they're telling their father this, which is a blatant out-and-out -out lie because they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. 
And his father knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath, hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Well, no, he's a slave now, but as far as you think, he's dead. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. Well, yeah, the hardest thing a father can do is lose his son. That's a hard thing. And jo Jacob obviously loved him very much and obviously mourned the loss of him very much. His brothers are total shitheads for doing what they did, but they did it. And they managed to keep the secret for a long time. Let's see how it works out. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. <sighs> Meanwhile, in Egypt, and the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adolamite, whose name was Hira, or Hira, Hira, that's it, Hira, 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 however you want to say it. And Judah saw there a daughter of certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. Not a very imaginative, imaginative name, but Ur. I like it. And she conceived again. That means she had twins. And bare him a son, and she called his name Onan. Anytime you see this word again in the same sentence, that means that it's happening at the same time another time. So she conceived a son, and then she conceived another son. And she bare those sons. Either they're twins or they're back-to-back, -back, one or the other. But they're using the word conceived and the word bear here, so you can see it one or two ways. Just Kip. Somewhat new here. Well, welcome, Just Kip. Enjoy the show. In about 20 minutes, I'll have a Q&A, and you can ask all the questions you like, and I'll answer every one of them. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah. And he was at Chezib when she bared him. Now, this is a third son at a separate uh, pregnancy. I'm inclined to believe that these are just back-to-back -back rather than consecutively. I don't think they're twins. I think they're just like one month apart because they, the way they wrote that is like she got pregnant, had a baby, got pregnant immediately, had another baby, got pregnant immediately, had another baby. That's kind of what I think has happened here. Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. This is a little bit of a time jump, I'm assuming. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And Judah said to Onan, 
go in unto thy brother's wife and marry her and raise up seed to thy brother, which is customary in those days. A Jewish law is, is that if your brother dies in the war, then the brother will go and take care of the wife, make her his wife, and raise his children with his brother's surname, you understand, so that the brother has children on the earth and his seed propagates even though he's dead. So it's the brother's duty to do so. That's kind of what's happening here. What's up, Abstract? Good to see you, brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass, when he went in unto his brother's wife, that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he could, lest that he should give seed to his brother. So he didn't like his brother, so he didn't impregnate his brother's wife. This is kind of a, against the law. He's basically pulling out at the right time so that she doesn't get pregnant. Only he's supposed to be getting her pregnant, so he's getting the goodie without delivering the bacon, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, that's not really nice. If you're going to get the goodie, you need to give the woman the baby. That's how it works. And he's kind of uh, keeping it to himself. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. See, God don't like kind of playing around like that. Yes, his brother was wicked in the sight of the Lord. That doesn't mean that his son will be. And it was his brother's job to make sure she had a baby and gave it his surname, his brother's surname, so that he would have seed on the earth. Yeah, it don't work that way sometimes. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah, my son be grown. That's the, the last son to be born. For he said, lest peradventure he die also, as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt at her father's house. We are in Genesis chapter 38, verse 12. Kip. It should be right there on screen. And it's the King James Version Bible if you're interested. And in process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died, and Judah was comforted and went up unto his shear sheepers, sheep shearers, at Tim Timnath. And he and his friend Hira, the Adolamite. So him and his buddy went over to his sheep shearers. Thank you, April. It's 3813, by the way, not 335. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. Uh-oh. She's got a minute to herself. What does a woman do when she's got time to think? She devises a plan. And that's what she's done. So, in case you're wondering, she's tired of being a widow. She had the brother, and he died. She had the brother's brother, and he died. So, the father-in-law said, well, you get to be a widow from now on until my son is grown. Well, she don't want to wait that long. She wants a kid. She wants him now because her eggs are drying up. So she devises this brilliant plan to get seed from this family right now 
one way or another. Watch and see what she does. She put on her widow's garment. She put her widow's garment off from her. She took it off and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given unto him to wife. So basically he's screwed her out of the three sons. This is why she's doing this. So apparently Sheila got grown and he married somebody else. Who knows? Whatever reason, she did not get a son from this family. So she's going to take it into her own hands and handle it. So when Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot because she had covered her face. As it is customary in those days, the working girl would sit out by the edge of the road with a veil over her face and a passerby would pick her up, take her in the back, do his business and be on his way. She'd make a little money. He'd be a little happy. Everybody wins. Well, she went and tricked Judah, the father-in-law, into thinking she is a prostitute. So what does he do? He could walk right by. He should walk right by because he's a married man. He has kids. However, it's not going to go that way. And he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. Translation, hey baby, you working tonight? For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. He didn't recognize her. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? Translation, yeah, I'm working. You got money? And he said, I will send thee a kid, a goat. From, from the flock. And she said, Wilt thou give me the pledge till thou send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? She's saying, I need some collateral. I don't believe you're going to send me a goat. So give me something of yours to hold on to until you send me that goat. And then I'll give it back. And she said, Thy signet and thy bracelets and thy staff that is in thine hand. And, of course, he gave it to her because he's a horny old goat and he wanted to come in unto her. And she conceived by him. Now, the daughter-in-law just got pregnant by the father-in-law, tricked him into giving, him, giving her his ring, his bracelets, and his staff as collateral for a goat in exchange for the sex. He doesn't know that she conceived, but she did. And she arose and went away and laid by her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood. So she went and transformed back into who she really is. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adolamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Why? Because she wasn't a prostitute and she wasn't regularly at that place. So he never got to give her the kid, so she kept his ring, his bracelets, and his staff as insurance, which is probably a very smart thing for her to do because if anybody ever found out that the father-in-law impregnated the daughter-in-law, there's going to be hell to pay unless she could prove it because he's obviously going to deny it. So let's see what happens. Hey, MVTV, what's happening, my brother? Good to see you.
You tell them, uh, us, Jake. I'm telling you, buddy, just as hard as I can go. Watch and see what happens to old Jacob here. I mean, Judah, rather. Sorry. Then he asked the man in the place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. We didn't see a harlot. You saw a harlot? Where's a harlot at? I'd like to have a harlot. Nope. She was not a harlot, and she just walked out into time for him to catch her there. Too much rap over there, to be honest. I hear you, buddy. He'll be over here shortly, I would imagine, if he's not busy. He knew not, should have known better. Yes, he should have known better, but he didn't. He didn't recognize his own daughter-in-law while he was having sex with her. She kept her face covered, and obviously that was enough. But she tricked him into giving her his ring, his bracelets, and his staff as collateral for a goat that was going to pay for the sex. But as soon as he left, she bailed and went back home, <coughs> transformed back into the way she normally looks. So when he came with the goat, as he said he would, he was a man of his word, she wasn't there. Couldn't find her because she's not a prostitute that works that area. Okay, moving on. He may well have known better. However, he did it anyway. And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of the place said, there is no harlot in this place. And Judah said, let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid as thou hast not found her. Judah saying, look, I'm a man of my word. I gave the girl the goat that I promised her. It's not my fault she wasn't there to receive it. I sent it. So I don't want to be shamed for her not receiving her goat because I sent it. And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she was with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth, let her be burnt. How dare she be a harlot and get pregnant? Let's burn her at the stake, stone her, whatever we got to do. Uh, do you not remember what you did a couple months ago? Oh, it's good. what's good for the goose ain't necessarily good for the gander. I'm a man. I have a right to be a man. She's a, my daughter-in-law. She can't be no harlot. Uh, sorry, buddy. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, I am with child. And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are thee? The signet the bracelets, and the staff. Uh-oh. That's right, MVTV. A sexually active male is cool dude, but a woman is a harlot. Not fair. Well, they're, they're proving this point right now. He just told, when he found out she was pregnant, when Judas found out that Tamar was pregnant, he said, bring her to me at once, and I'm going to burn her at the stake for being a harlot. 
I'll shame her in front of God and everybody. How dare she shame our family? So she said, in her wisdom, I tell you what, well, you want to know who the father of my child is? Whoever this ring, these bracelets, and this staff belong to is the baby daddy. I wonder if Judah is going to man up or going to deny that those are his. And Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shelah my son, and he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were born from her. Twins were in her womb. Now, Judah did the right thing. He stood up like a man and acknowledged that he's the guy that impregnated her and took responsibility. And he also learned a lesson because he realized that she had been more righteous than he because he promised her a son. And he gave her of his sons, and that boy died. So he gave her the brother of that son, and that boy died before impregnating her. And though he promised her the third son, he was not willing to give it to her because he didn't want him to die also. It's kind of a, a jealous move, or a father's protectiveness, whatever, however you want to look at it. He didn't allow Sheila to give her a son. So she went and got it herself from him. And he fell for it. So she indeed is more righteous than he. And she deserves the inheritance that that son brings. Now, you got to understand in those days, for a woman to not have a son means that she doesn't have a future. It's very important for the woman to be pregnant because that means her future is solidified. She's protected. She's taken care of. She has a family. She has protection. So she had to get it. She was a wise woman. She did what she had to do, and she got it done. I see nothing wrong with that. And she absolutely deserved that inheritance, Kip. That's correct. And it came to pass, as he drew back his hand, that, behold, his brother came out, and she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Pharez. I missed one, I'm sorry. 38, 28. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand. So remember, she had twins. And the midwife took and bound up the hand with a scarlet thread, as is customary in those days, to tell which was the firstborn. This came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that, behold, his brother came out first. So she put the cord on the one hand, but he went back in and the other one came out. So he was called Therese, meaning something similar to second becomes first. Anyway, and afterward came out his brother, the one with the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. We're back to Joseph now. In case you don't know, that was a sidebar for uh, Judah. Now we're back to Joseph. Joseph has been sold into slavery and brought to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. 
And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. Now, Joseph was the luckiest unlucky person in the world, or the unluckiest lucky person in the world, however you want to look at it. Uh, his brothers sold him into slavery, but he was a beautiful boy and very talented and very intelligent. So everything he did prospered. Everything he did turned to gold. Didn't take long for the Pharaoh to recognize this and kind of want to be part of that. So he made friends with Joseph. Smart move. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put into his hand. So the Pharaoh made him number two in the household. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. <clears throat> and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not aught he had he didn't know what he had save the bread which he did eat and Joseph was a goodly person well favored meaning he trusted Joseph so much that he didn't even know what Joseph was doing half the time Joseph just handled all the business he handled all the wheat and whatever came out of the field. He handled all the men. The Pharaoh didn't even know what all he had. He just knew that Joseph had it under control. So, this is a well-favored man. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, Lie with me, baby. These Egyptian boys can't catch a break, can they? The Pharaoh's wife is coming on to Joseph now. She's a, a socialite, highfalutin, probably used to getting everything she wants, probably been bedding the chamber boys forever, and now she's decided she wants her some Joseph. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master rideth not. What is with me in this house? And he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. That means you too. There is no greater in this house than I. I'm even above you, lady. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Now then, can I do this great wickedness? How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That's a very important statement there. He's not saying he's sinning against Pharaoh. He's saying it, that would be a sin against God because God has blessed all of this. The reason you're so rich is because of God. The reason that I have a job is because of God. Why would I throw a fly in the ointment and contaminate what this blessing has given us all by having sex with you, lady? Ain't worth it. And I bet that was a shot to her ego. 
What do women do when their egos get bruised? They usually lie. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men in the house there within. He was by himself in the house and her. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. So he wiggled out of his garments and left. He left his garments in her hand and fled and got himself out of that situation. He did not want to be anywhere near her. He screwed up, though. He left his garments in her hand. Now, keep in mind, Joseph did not do anything wrong here. He did the right thing. But it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto this, in, unto us to mock us. He came in unto me and lied with me. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got himself out of the situation. Hmm. Cry rape much, lady? So she's telling these men that he came in and raped her, and when she screamed, he ran. That's not at all what happened. You understand? That's not at all what happened. She is utterly lying to these men. First, she started with an ad hominem. The Pharaoh brought this Hebrew into our house to mock us, and he came in to lie with me. That's not very nice, lady. You're going to get it. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to the, these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought in unto us came in unto me, to mock me, and it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. That's what she said to the Pharaoh. Now the Pharaoh knows she's lying, you understand? But she's also told everybody in the house, so he cannot call her a liar to her face because everybody's involved, and when you're in a political environment like that, what people think of you matters. So he's between a rock and a hard place. This is his favorite man who is responsible for all his blessings, and he knows it. And this is his lecherous, adulterous wife, whom he knows is lecherous and adulterous, telling him a lie that he knows to not be true. Mr. Bean and GW, how are you, my friend? I apologize for Friday night's debacle. It was not a good thing. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did, this, did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. Now, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. 
and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So even in prison, Joseph is doing pretty good. You know, he's, he's, he's not suffering much. And the Pharaoh, by the way, I've got to believe that he put him in prison rather than killing him outright because he knows his wife is lying. That's what I believe. You don't have a wife like that and not realize she's full of it. Anyway, <laughs> rather than killing him, he put him in jail. And in jail with a keeper that takes very good care of him. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. So he's head of the prison right away. And whatsoever they did there was left the doer of it. Or he was the doer of it. So in other words, he ran the prison from inside. That's pretty nice to be put in prison and end up being the head guy automatically. I'd like that if I had to go to prison. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. He didn't even check him because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt, probably because of his wife. She probably tried to bang them too. And the Pharaoh was wroth again against two of his officers and against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into prison the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. And they continued a season inward, or in ward, in other words, in prison. A season is, what, four months? And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night. Each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. Now, remember, this story began with a dream, and it's going to end with a dream. Only this isn't Joseph's dream. This is the baker and the uh, butler's dream. And Joseph just happens to be a person who can interpret dreams. Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and he looked upon them, and behold, they were sad and he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Hey, yo, I interpret dreams. <laughs> That's not what he said. He said, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. I'll ask God, and he'll tell me what they mean. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. And it was, a, it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of your dream. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall the Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. 
and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. That's pretty good news. What he's saying is, your dream is saying, in three days you'll be let out of prison and restored your job as the butlers of the Pharaoh. Probably because the Pharaoh will find out that he didn't try to bang his wife and he's in jail for no reason. I'm guessing. I don't like his wife very much. Can you tell? But think on me when it shall be well with thee. And show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. That's a pretty good deal. I'll tell you what your dream means, but when you get restored and you're in the presence of the Pharaoh... How about do me a solid and talk him out of releasing me because I didn't do anything wrong. I was sold into slavery, but I made the best of it. I became the leader of his house and I made the best of it. And I didn't do anything wrong to be put in this prison. So when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And the uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for the Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of your dream. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And he's like, whoa, whoa, that's not what I wanted to hear. What about his dream? Well, he's getting out of prison. You're going to be dead in three days. So you obviously banged his wife. I'm just saying. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, by the way, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into the Pharaoh's hand, just like the dream suggested, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Way to keep a deal there, butler boy. That's not going to go well for you. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And he weighed in the water. No, I'm just kidding. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed. Kine is like Cattle, some kind of cattle, deer, maybe. And they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, mean, mean animals, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine, so Pharaoh woke up and go, Woo, 
man, I need to stop smoking the peyote before I go to bed. And he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven years of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good, big, full, fat pieces of corn. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. Puny looking corn. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh woke and behold, it was a dream. <sighs> Man, I really need to stop smoking the peyote before I go to bed. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. Well, I bet so. You've been having weird-ass dreams all night. I bet you ate pork before you went to bed, didn't you? Anyway, he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then speak the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, Oh, you know what? I had a dream, and a feller told me what it meant one time while I was in jail. You know, Joseph. I think that was his name. Pharaoh's like, I know Joseph. I put him in jail. All right. I do remember my faults this day, says the butler. Well, yeah, you remember you promised you was going to talk highly of Joseph and get him out of jail. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker, and we dreamed a dream one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret, and it all came true, I'm here to tell you. I ain't never seen nothing like it in my life, but I'm telling you, he, he can tell you what your dream means. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me, he restored unto mine office, and him, he hanged. And the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came un, in unto Pharaoh, all nice and clean and tidy. Trying to make a good example. What's not in the Bible? April, everything I've said is in the Bible. Are you talking about my editorializing what he was saying? I clearly said that as a joke. Obviously, that's not in the Bible. Rings true, nonetheless. I said I bet he ate pork. No, it's not in the Bible, but that's usually what causes you to have weird dreams. If you don't believe me, eat some pork chops and go to bed and see what happens. Or eat pickles. That'll do it, too. Anyway, I'm just joking. I don't know if he ate pork, but he did have weird dreams. I lost my place. Hang on. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in all nice and clean and to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh said unto Joseph, 
I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph said, me? Yeah, I can, I can interpret your dream. It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Pharaoh, uh, Joseph is basically telling Pharaoh, no, 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 you got it wrong. I'm not interpreting the dream. I'm telling God what the dream is, and God interprets it, and I report it. So that's what a prophet does. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed, and well-favored. And they fed in the meadow, and behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I woke up freaking out because I smoked too much peyote. Anyway, see, these seven cattle were skinny to start with, and after eating seven fat cows, they were still skinny. That sounds to me like a famine, but let's see what Joseph says. And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good, and behold, seven ears, withered, thin, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. I don't know how corn can devour corn, but they did. Maybe they had mouths. Who knows? And I told this unto the magicians, but they were none that could declare it unto me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of the Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. Dun, dun, dun. The seven good kind are seven years. And the seven good ears are seven years. And the dream is one. The seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showed unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. You're going to make so much money, you're not going to know what to do with it all. It's just going to be pouring in for seven years. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine, where you won't be able to find nothing to eat. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. 
That means 14 years of serious famine, but 14 years of serious wealth. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. I happen to know a guy, if, you, if you're interested. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up a fifth part of the land of Egypt in seven plenteous years. Now, see, let me explain to you what's happening here. Egypt is a very prosperous place at this point in time, but it is by no means a world power. It's still a small country. There at the tip of Africa. It is not world known the world over like it was later. Joseph is in a position to instruct this Pharaoh in a way that will make Egypt the world power. It will make it the most powerful nation on earth if the Pharaoh does what Joseph tells him to do. What he's going to do is he knows that famine is coming in seven years or 14 years, however you look at it, doubled up 14 years. He knows it's going to happen. So while we got this 14 years of overwhelming wealth and, and blessings from God, we need to be putting all that up in storehouses. Make storehouses. I don't care what you got to do. Take a whole town and convert it into storehouses and make it happen. Because when the famine hits, you're not going to be able to get food anywhere. And everybody's going to have to come to you. And you're going to dole out your blessings, little bits at the time, and get everybody around you through the famine. And when the famine is over, every country on earth is going to owe you because you saved their lives. And that's going to make you the most powerful king in the land. Very smart move by Joseph here. And Pharaoh would be stupid not to listen to him. Let's see how it works. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let him keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. <coughs> now, interestingly enough, if you go to Egypt and go off the beaten path of the tourist attractions, it takes a little getting to, you could probably ask a guide to show you where it's at. I've seen pictures of it. It's not on the regular tour. It's off, they use it as a trash heap now. But there are places in Egypt that have like big holes in the ground that go way down. They're, they're almost the size of a pyramid, but they go down into the earth. And they got little notches all the way up the walls. Those were storehouses. And those notches, they would build a makeshift floor above the grain and then they would fill it and every time the grain filled up they'd raise the floor up to the next notch so that they could fill the storehouses that's what those were and they're all over the place in Egypt you got to look for them though but you got they are there and that's evidence that this occurred 
Now the thing was good in the eyes of the Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And the Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Joseph goes, <coughs> This guy. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to all thy word shall my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. That is awesome. Joseph just got his job back plus some. Pharaoh made him second in command over everything. The only person greater than Joseph would be Pharaoh, and only because he's the king. Everything that that land did, Joseph ruled over. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his own hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee! And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. That's what Pharaoh, Pharaoh basically made Joseph Pharaoh of Egypt, only he's second in command. <coughs> and Joseph said unto Pharaoh, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. You're the guy. I'm Pharaoh, but you're the guy. And Pharaoh called, called Joseph's name Zephnathpaneh. Or Imhotep, if you're speaking modern Greek, uh, modern Egypt. And he gave him to wife Asneth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was only 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt, fixing and working and making things the way he wants it to be, preparing for this famine coming down the road. And in seven plenteous years the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in cities. The food of the field which was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering. For it was without number. In other words, he couldn't count how much corn they brought in. It's too much. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asneth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Is that Potiphar or Potphora? I think it's Pot Potiphra. Potiphara. 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 
however you want to say it. Priest of On bare unto him two sons. And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come. According as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all lands. But in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. Everybody was starving to death, but Egypt had bread. Why? Because Joseph made sure to put up food for this time. And all the lands had to come to Egypt to eat. That puts Egypt in the top position. Because if you don't have food, you don't have anything. And when all the land of Egypt was famined, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph. What he saith to you, do it. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. But they were getting rich, as you could not imagine how many people came to him to buy food. So the richness of Egypt just kept rising. I believe that's what made the golden age of Egypt possible. All the countries came unto Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. Now, when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, you remember the sons that sold Joseph into slavery? Why do you look upon one another? Why are you standing around looking at each other? Let's go to Egypt and get some food. And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. See what's happening here? So Joseph, I mean, Jacob sends his sons to Egypt to buy some food. And Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him, and the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. It was everywhere, actually. And Joseph was the governor over the land. And he, it was that sold to all the people of the land. So Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. They still haven't recognized him. They don't know it's him yet. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he did recognize them. He knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and he spake roughly unto them and said unto them, Whence come ye? He was using a weird voice because he didn't want them to recognize him. And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. 
and Joseph knew his brothers, but they did not know him. Probably because they didn't expect to see their brother sitting in the king's seat. They thought authority. They didn't even look at him, probably. Probably didn't even make eye contact. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land. Ye are come. He's saying, he's playing with them. He didn't mean they're really spies. He's just making them think that he thinks that. You come to check us out while we're in need. And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We didn't, we're not spies. We're just hungry. But you see, in the beginning of this story, Joseph had a dream that his brothers would be bowing down to him. Well, yeah, that's what's happening right now. That dream came to pass. Because as we speak, all of them are on the floor with their faces to the ground, talking to Joseph, who is on a throne in front of them. We are all one man's son. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and not, and one is not. Yeah, don't you mean ten brothers? Because the 11th is at home, and you sold the 12th one. And Joseph said unto them, That is it that spake, that is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh, shall ye not go forth hence, except your younger brother come hither. So you say you're 12 brothers? Well, go get your 12th brother and bring him back. If you don't have 12 brothers, you're not going to get any food. See what he's doing? He's getting his whole family into Egypt by tricking them into thinking the only way they can buy food is if he proves who he says he is. Send one of you. Let him go fetch your brother, and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you're spies. And he put them all together in ward for three days. Now he's messing with them a little bit. You obviously know that, right? He doesn't intend for them to stay in prison. He's just messing with them. They did, after all, sell him into prison. Basically. He's just giving them a taste of their own medicine. Meanwhile, he's getting his whole family to come and be with him. Because he misses them. He wants to see them. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. They left one there, and the rest of them went back to get the brother. And they said to one another, 
we are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we wouldn't hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. Ah, so you're learning a lesson from this, are you? You remembered your brother and how he tried to talk to you, and you wouldn't hear him. And instead, you sought to sell him into slavery, but first you sought to kill him. Remember that? Yes, you are guilty, and you deserve to be in prison. But your brother, thank God, has more passion and compassion than you do, and he doesn't desire to see you in prison. He desires to see you wealthy and healthy and well-fed, and that's what he's going to do for you. But first, he's going to toy with you a little and make you really uncomfortable. And I think that's just desserts. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear? Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them as an interpreter, as by an interpreter. So he was speaking Egyptian to them. They are speaking Hebrew, so he doesn't know that his brother understands every word they're saying. So he understands now that Reuben tried to save him, and his other brothers are guilty. And he turned himself about from them and wept, and returned to them again and communed with them, and took from them Simeon, and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provisions for the way. And thus did he unto them. He's sending them all home to get their brother and eventually their dad and bring him back to Egypt so he can take care of them. But he sent them with sacks full of corn and he gave them their money back too. So he didn't even charge them for the corn. He gave it to them. I don't think they realized this, though. And they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the inn, he espied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. Uh-oh. Not only does he have a sack full of corn, but the money for the corn in the sack. So automatically he thinks, oh crap, we've stolen this corn from the Pharaoh. They're going to want to kill us when we come back because we didn't pay for it. And he said unto his brethren, my money is restored and lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them for they were afraid saying one to another, what is this that God hath done unto us? Oh, it's God's fault, is it? It ain't anything you did. It's God's fault that you got your money back. Think about that for a minute. And they came unto Jacob their father unto the land of Canaan and told him all that befell unto them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly unto us and took us for spies of the country. And we said unto him, We are true men, we are no spies, but we be twelve brethren, sons of our father. One is not or one is dead, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brothers, Simeon, 
here with me and take food for the famine of your households and be gone. But bring your youngest brother unto me, then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So will I deliver your brother, and ye shall traffic the land. In other words, you'll be able to go home. And it came to pass as they emptied their sacks that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were terrified. Why? Because they think now that they've stolen this food from the Pharaoh and that they're going to want him dead. That's why they're scared. They don't realize that Jacob, or I mean Joseph had given them their food and their money back. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not. And ye will take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. And Reuben spake unto his father, the man of reason, saying, Slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. That's kind of uh, out there, Reuben. You're basically promising your father that if you don't deliver the two sons back to him, that you can kill my sons. Of course, he's not going to do that. He's their grandfather, but he's offering up his sons. And he said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead. And he is left alone. Is mischief befall him by the way in the which ye go? Then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. And the famine was sore in the land. If you cause my son Benjamin to die, you're surely going to kill me too. I can't take another death. My son Jacob, I mean Joseph is already dead because they think he's dead. You're not going to kill Joseph, I mean Benjamin too. And oh, by the way, Simeon is being held prisoner, so he might as well be dead. So I've lost three sons. I'm not losing four. And it came to pass, when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again and buy us a little food. Well, Apparently, a sack of corn don't last very long amongst 11 brothers and an old man and wives and daughters. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. And Israel said, that would be Jacob, the father, Wherefore dwelt ye so ill with me, as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother? And they said, The man asked. He asked us straight of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? 
Have ye another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words. Could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said unto his father Israel, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. So we got a whole family here to feed, so give up the Benjamin and let's go. You see, while they were in Israel, I mean in Egypt, Joseph were asking them, you know, probing them, is your father still alive? Do you have more brothers? Because there's only 10 of them there. So he's getting all the details about his family, wanting to know how they're doing. They think he's an Egyptian and that he has designs on them. And they're worried about being killed. And now also they have all this corn that they didn't even pay for. So they're worried about going back to see him again. But they got to bring that brother or else he ain't even going to bother with them. Anyway, that's where we're going to leave off for today. Tomorrow night at 8.30, we will pick up in 43.9. That's where we'll continue this story tomorrow and see how this nightmare turns into a dream. See how it works out for them. I hope you enjoyed that story tonight. I hope you had a great time listening to it, and I hope it touched your heart and caused you to be curious and want to delve further into God's words and understand the meanings thereof and get some food for your famine because you're in a famine believe it or not you're in a famine of the spirit this world is almost spiritually dead at the moment and it takes every one of us to reach towards god to bring it back alive and just like the dead bones in the valley we can spring to life again if we pay attention so will you do that and while you're thinking about it, won't you do me a favor and hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online when my new videos drop and such. Hit the like button. It's free. It's right in front of you. It's effortless. And it really does help the channel with the algorithms and it helps us get recommended to other people. So won't you do that, please? It'll put us on the map. Share this video with people you love. Hey, better yet, share it with people you don't love. Bring them into our family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave comments down below and let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid. Make your own Kool-Aid. As long as you're thinking critical, that's what I want. Critical thought coming from that brain of yours. And hey, if you love the Word of God and you can see the value in what I'm trying to build here, and you'd like to help out and be part of something special, be part of something that is delivered by God to people for God, for people. You can do that if you feel led to send tithes, offerings, or love offerings, or if you'd like to just pat me on the back and say, hey, good job, Jake. You can do that by going to paypal.me slash jakejohnsonband. paypal.me slash jakejohnsonband. Or if you're a Cash App user, you can go to dollar sign jakejohnsonband Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing to me. It's a blessing to you, too, because God does notice these things. We live in a reciprocal universe. You know, ask, and you shall be answered. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Give, and you shall receive. Keep that in mind, and I thank you, and I will do everything in my power to be worthy of your confidence. And with that, I will take all of your questions and comments now. MVTV says, okay, fine. Even if we didn't, 
get a Kevin Cox sport updates stinger? Okay, maybe not in a Bible study, but still. Good evening, Jake, April, and chat. Hey, MVTV. Kevin Cox, that's just for you, buddy. Good study, Jake. Thank you, sir. Great study, says April. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you all very much. You are the very reason I do this, and I hope that it's inspiring, and I hope that it's good, and I hope you enjoy it. Ooh, I'm happy now. Hey, MVTV, I've been watching your videos. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I like seeing your stuff. I've been trying to support your channel. I like all your videos and watch them all. And I appreciate you doing the same for me. <clears throat> Good evening to you, MBTV. You're awesome, says April. I'm still waiting on that. You said you were going to make me a video of some kind. I'm interested to see what you come up with. Because you are pretty clever. Thanks, nice days on the ranch. Recently, with good stuff happening. And back at you both. Hey Amen, that was thrilling, says April. I appreciate that. It is a good story. It's one of the better stories in the Bible, I think. I sent you some background shots, unless they went awry. I didn't receive any that I'm aware of. I'll go look, check my email after this and see if it's there. I might have missed it. I get a lot of emails, so it's possible that I missed it. Did you send it to untetheredlivestream at gmail.com, or did you send it to jakejohnsonband at gmail.com? Here's the email address. I'll put it on the screen for you. Well, this is one of them anyway. Sent to the latter. Jake Johnson Band? Okay. I'll go check it out. I might have missed it. The live stream address did not work. Well, it should work. It's live. Untethered live stream. I'll check that out, too. Maybe I got some problem. that I'm not aware of. There's a lot I'm not aware of these days. Uh -huh. I am in the process of moving everything over to another computer, so it's entirely possible that I missed it. And I've been working on that for about two weeks, so I must have missed something in the address. I will do it again. Probably me. It's possible. April says, I love it. Ha ha. I just realized I wasn't sub to you, MBTV. I'm sorry. I just sub to you, okay? Yep, you picked up a sub already. How about that? It's always nice to pick up a sub when you go visit somebody else. We're up to about 287 right now. Last time I looked, anyway. Keep up the good work, everybody. Share, like, and subscribe. And uh, 
the goal is 300. If we can hit 300, good things will happen. Thanks, April. Never saw a comment from you, but no accounting for others' tastes. And people do have lives. All oh, MVTV, you sheepy dog. Darlene, are you still with us? The cattle are co-starring more often and helping out the content. Yes, it's always nice to have good cattle involved. All I got are cats. <clears throat> hey, Jake and April, love you guys. Love you too, Margie. Thanks for coming by. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you learned something. April says, yes, you're right. I could have sworn I had subbed you. Jeez, eek. Sorry, hon. I am now. He does some pretty cool stuff. He got a beautiful yard. Hello, Aunt Debbie. How are you doing? Are you all right? Says April. Sure thing. Now we've made it. We're making it, that's for sure. Slowly but surely, one sub at a time. Freaking 1880s ranch farm. Still hard to believe it. That's pretty awesome that you got it. I'm glad you're enjoying it and making the most of it. And God blesses those who work for that that they get and stay true to themselves and each other. And I believe God blesses those who watch this podcast because I ask for it every time. You just wait and see. God's grace, no doubt. Amen. There is no doubt of that. If you got grace, it's because God gave it to you. That's for sure. I know that since I started this podcast, I have not needed a single thing. Everything I need is provided for. I don't have everything I want, but I have everything I need. I'm not needing for nothing. And if I need something and I don't have it, it shows up almost immediately. And I'm grateful for that. And I thank the Lord for it. And I believe it's that way because I'm doing his bidding. So let that be a lesson to you all. If you feel like God's telling you to do something, you do it. And watch and see if he doesn't repay you with lots and lots of dividends. I think it was a grace for me of course, but the landlady was getting dragged down trying to keep it up. 
idiot renters in the past. So a win-win if I make it this winter. <laughs> You'll make it. Just build you a nice fire and keep it going. Keep it hot. <laughs> and I'm sure that the landlady appreciates having a good man such as you on her property to keep it up. There will be water if God wills it. My go-to saying, when I just give up and can't think of anything else to do, there will be water if God wills it. Amen. That's a good saying. There truly is life in the word. Sure there is. Absolutely. Amen and amen. Not sure if that's a biblical saying. Do you know, Jake? Yes, I do know, and no, it's not biblical. However, it the sentiment is. You don't have to have the exact words right to get the meaning right. And God knows he's a, a smart God, so all he cares about is that your heart's in the right place. And it is, so you're good. Right. For sure, dude. Like, you know. Bitching. Listen. God loves every single person on the planet Earth, even the bad ones. And he set in motion a series of events that would cause you to be covered by the grace of God and have a way to heaven regardless of who you are. All you have to do is one thing. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the setup. Here's the payoff. So that whosoever believeth shall have everlasting life and not perish. That's celestially, not physically. You're going to die. But you'll have everlasting life in the spirit with the Lord. If you believe, that's what you have to do. That's why faith is so important. That's why it's the master mantelpiece of this entire religion. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things you can't see. Good. Makes me feel better. As though I might be messing it up. Thought I might be messing it up. But yes, that's the core of it. No, you're not messing it up. Whatever God wills happens because it's his will that makes all of this possible. So you got the idea. And water is just a euphemism or an expression for whatever it is you're in need of. So the statement is true. There will be water if God wills it. There will be light if God wills it. There will be money if God wills it. There will be sex if God wills it. Everything you could have dream of, if it's God's will, it comes to pass. So you're good. It's a good statement. Keep going. Right on, right on. I said it's righton.com. Hey, hey, hey. All right, all right, all right. And April says, yes. I totally agree. You guys are smart. You got the idea. And this whole story that we went through tonight is about that very thing. 
It's about God's will being done and how he goes about it. And how he goes about it is he sets things in motion and then they happen. That is not to say that God's in control. I hate that expression because God is most certainly not in control. You have free will. If you have free will, that means that God is not controlling you like a marionette. He does control overall. He does know everything. He set all this in motion, but it goes by itself. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You are the captain of your ship. You can sail it across the seven seas, or you can drive that sucker right into the rocks. Either way, God will allow it to go by. It'll happen the way you set it out. And that's not to say that God doesn't put things in your path, because he does. But it's up to you whether or not you follow them. You come across an unassuming podcast preaching the word of God, and it says in your little mind, hey, maybe I should stay and listen to this feller. It's up to you whether you do or not. But if I were you, I would press that subscribe button, baby, because that's God telling you you're in the right place. And trust me, you are. Really? I believe in having to help or work yourself versus instant gifts or grace. But I swear, it seems to go well with that when I have nothing to do but throw up my hands, give up, and wait for the break. Well, you see, a lot of times God will test you and he will put you through the ringer. And he will take you right to the brink of you giving up. And a lot of times people will give up because they don't know what to do. But if you're strong, you'll just stay there. Keep your eyes open and your hands open and be ready. And if you do that, you'll find out that when you reach that moment of breaking, when you're just ready to give up, that something will happen that will give you a way forward every time. That's when you know it's God testing you. Because he won't put more on you than you can handle. Which also is not biblical, but people say all the time. Because the sentiment is right. April says, everybody hit that like button and subscribe. If you haven't already. And remember, Jake's is just love. And the word Sunday, Monday. Let's show some love, okay? I got that part. What she's trying to say is, and in, in, in a fewer words, she's trying to get it across. She's trying to tell you to. BJ, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. This is my theme song. I need a little kibbles and bits in my bowl, okay? I've been a good doggy. Come on now. Say it loud, say it proud. PJ. Alright. There's enough of that. That's what she's trying to say. Yes, and same with why would God allow whatever? Well, hell. Would we rather be protected, soft? cattle behind safe fences and never allowed out I think I understand what you're saying 
Yes, sometimes you have to pay the price to play the game. No, you don't want to be soft cattle behind a well-covered fence because you never get to do anything. If you want to live a little, you got to jump the fence every now and then. But it pays to remember when you're when you need to be home. Remember where you came from. Remember where you've been. That's the way I see it. I'm just a simple man. Hello. Somebody's hitting me. What do we got here going on? Who this? Hey, I'm live. I don't know what this is. It's a bunch of text. With a bunch of ampersands and 20s. I think you're trying to send me a text from the Bible. But I have one, and I've read it a couple times. Feed Jake! You can do that by going to paypal.me slash jakejohnsonband, or if you use Cash App, you can go to dollar sign jakejohnsonband. Either way, it works. And that's only if you wish to, or if you feel led to. It's up to you. It's between you and God. Show's free, but I'll take it if you want to give it. I need to eat, too. Anybody got any questions, comments, catharsis, criticisms? Anything else that starts with a C? Yes, for sure. That was in reference to the free show thing. I truly hope you guys had a good time tonight. I did. I had fun. I always love reading the Word of God. And sometimes it's a slog, but sometimes it's actually fun. And this story is a fun one. Barely feeding myself, but Jake, you are in my will. <laughs> Only is $12 in some comic books and might have to fight for a buxom gold digger if you're in there. Well, I don't need to be in your will, buddy. Just need to be in your prayers. That's good enough. And it ain't up for everybody to send money, so you don't have to if you don't have it. Now, I'm only asking money if you got it to spare. If God's been good to you, be good back. That's all I'm saying. But you might be one of those people that need to hear what's being said. So you're as welcome as they are. This is your show as much as it is anybody's that gives money because you're giving attention, and that's something. I've always said it, and I'll say it again. If you can't fight, carry bullets. If you can't carry bullets, make sandwiches. But be in the battle. That's what matters. Be involved, and you are, so you're good. And this is, make no mistake about it, a battle. We are fighting for the will of God. We are trying to stay afloat in a world destined to drown us all. So we need to be present and pushing out the Word of God as much as we possibly can. That goes for every one of you. Why are you doing that, MBTV? Barely feeding yourself. 
Rup row. All is good in the kingdom of the Lord. Don't forget that. It's a beautiful time to be alive. We are at the most exciting time in existence to be living. Amen. Keep praying, MBTV. We love you. God bless you, hon. Aw. Been paying $200 extra to cover the deposit here on Social Security, but getting better each month and worth every dime. Amen. Well, we'll help out all we can. <laughs> I pray for all of us all the time. And I'm doing everything I can do to help out, help, help grow your channel. And uh, that's all we can do is take care of each other. You come to mine, I'll come to yours. That's how it works. We're building a community. That community will be strong because we're laying the roots. And between me and Caucasian, we're building a network. So hopefully, in the future, we'll all be able to be part of this one big family that's all come together in the name of the Word of God so that we all can trust one another and we all can be here. And the more we get closer to each other, then you'll be able to reach out and help each other as you go along. And it's a beautiful thing. We just got to get it going. We got to get that many people together in one place. But that's the idea. We're trying to build a community here, a community that centers around the blessings of God. And if everybody knows where they belong, then everything will work out for everyone involved. That's the way I see it anyway. You can't live by yourself. You got to have other people in your life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the top of the hour and it's been one fantastic podcast. I love each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart. I really do. I love you true. Through and through, it's me and you. Until we get to the end, and eventually we do. Have a great night. Won't you do me a favor when you go out into the world tomorrow, when you face society? Uh, be nice. Just be nice. That's it. That's all. That's all I'm asking for. Just be nice to somebody. Go out of your way to be kind to someone. And watch and see if it don't change your life. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you hold a door for somebody, help an old lady across the street, buy a bum a sandwich, whatever it is you got to do, do something nice for somebody. And I promise you, you will begin to effervesce the light, the inner light of God. And people will take notice. And some might even mention it. They might even say, hey, bro, are you on a diet? What's up with you? You're shining over there. They're going to get curious. They're going to want to be part of it. And that's an invitation for you to tell them that you're proving every word of God is true by your very actions. You do that and it'll change your life. I promise you it will. Until tomorrow night, I love you. Have a great night. Thank you so much for being here and being part of something special. Take care of yourselves and each other. And thanks for watching.